This is episode number 194 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Everybody, welcome back to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. On this episode, I'm going to explain how the Train the Trainer program works uh, and how you can actually create one of these for your own company to help your people, the people that are on your team that are the experts at doing whatever it is that that you guys do at your, your organization, help them become the trainers that you need to help bring new team members up to speed. Uh, and by the way, if if you are someone who wants to become a trainer and you found this episode by doing a search on your podcast platform, just stay tuned because next week I'm going to be covering a few of the best practices for trainers in 2022 when this is being recorded. However, many of our past episodes can give you tips on how to create great presentations and become a more powerful speaker. So, so basically you can just kind of search through some of the past episodes, if you are in the process of trying to become a trainer or are a trainer and want to become a better one. Uh, by the way, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss a session. And also make sure and leave me a comment, leave me a review. And if you like the podcast, obviously, uh, the episode is sponsored by Fearless Presentations and fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear and become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in cities like Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Tampa, Atlanta, Columbus, Dallas, Chicago, Denver, and Las Vegas. All of those are coming up in the next few months. Uh, For details about any of those classes or to find out when a class will be scheduled in your area, go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's session. So on this episode, we're going to talk about the train the trainer model and, and really what it is. I mean, it's really, really common in the business world. However, um, what I've kind of found is that many of the train the trainer programs that are out there have really, really big flaws. And I, I, a good analogy to kind of explain how this can kind of go awry is the old, the old telephone game. You know, basically you put 10 people in a room and then you whisper a phrase in one of the person's ear, in, in the ear of one of the person, one of the people that are in the room. And, and as long as that phrase is over 10 words, <laughs> then when you whisper it to the first person and then the first person whispers that to the second person and so on and so on, by the time you get to the 10th person, the phrase is not even going to any way resemble what the first part was. And, and that's really kind of what happens in some of these train the trainer programs. Um, the, the, when, when you put one of these things in place without specific um, items that we're going to talk about on, on this session, it can, it can go awry pretty quickly. So, and it doesn't have to occur that way, by the way, I mean, there, there, if you put the right steps and the right processes in place, then your employee development can be absolutely phenomenal using this technique. And, and in fact, I, I like to think of this as be, being the best way to kind of cut your training cost dramatically in, in the process. 
So um, if you want to learn how to teach or learn how to become a great trainer, obviously the fearless presentations class that we teach is a fantastic way to do that. We can help you develop your facilitation skills. Um, and it's really one of the most effective ways to develop practical skills of, of a master trainer. And so um, I'll put links to that in the show notes. So if you happen to have got have um, come across this episode wanting to be a trainer, you know, you're training to be a trainer, I'll put links in the show notes so that you can get there. Um, that's a little bit different than what we're going to be talking about here. We're, we're actually going to be talking about from a corporate level, how you actually create one of these things. So let's kind of first start off with what this model is and, and how it works. And, and very simply, the train the trainer model it, it's a it's a model where what we call subject matter experts uh, some some organizations like to uh, abbreviate those as SNEs um, they're trained to develop other subject matter experts so basically you take somebody that's really really good at doing something and use them to train the the next person um, and and by the way that the acronym that I just gave you the SME it's often used in the technical realm however subject matter expertise actually exists in, in every single industry so um, I'll give you a couple of examples like for instance when I was in high school I got a job working at the mall in the chicken restaurant on my first day there they didn't put me on the cash register <laughs> they put me in the back breading chicken and squeezing lemons for lemonade. You know, it's a kind of the manual labor work because I didn't really know how to do anything else. I was brand new. Now, the owner himself did not train me to do any of those things. And the manager didn't train me to do any of those things either. Because in fact, the person who was training me to do those two things was a kid about my own age. Uh, I think at the time I was probably 16. The person that was training me was probably 16 in three months, maybe something like that. Um, and in fact, that person had only been working there just a few months longer than I had. Uh, but however, that person had been doing that spe those specific jobs for you know the first few months that, that he was there. So he was the subject matter expert at breading chicken and squeezing lemons. You know, he was an expert at that because he'd been doing it for, for that long. Now, in contrast, when I was when I was training to be a presentation coach, I went through a, a much more intense train the trainer process. In fact, I spent three years studying with a certified trainer. That was my subject matter expert. This is a person who had been training for 20, 25, 30 years, maybe. Um, and during that three years, the trainer and I dissected every single module that we were teaching. Uh, and we, and we co-taught modules. Uh, I did that with my mentor. And then finally, once I was finished with that entire process, I spent three years doing that, the company still sent a, an instructor trainer in from New York City to, to certify me. Um, so much more intensive kind of process over an extended period of time. But both of those processes, the fast food process, as well as the instructor trainer process, followed the train the trainer model. So let, let me kind of give you the, the key steps that I found and in, in doing one of these things really, really well. And we'll, we'll do these kind of one at a time. So the very first thing that is critical when you're designing one of these things for your own company is you have to start by creating great content and great training materials. <laughs> the great content, it's the start of all great train the trainer courses. And one challenge with many of the train the trainer programs is that the specific training content 
is kind of in the head of that subject matter expert. It's not written down anywhere. It's it's something that we all know to do and we kind of train people, but there's nothing, there's no guidelines. And so when that subject matter expert changes, the techniques for teaching are going to change, the content is going to change, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll, 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 it can be really, really challenging. Um, give an example of this. Like, like years ago, I was I had so many clients that were coming in that that I was frequently kind of double booking myself. And so um, and it just I was just kind of overwhelmed. And so I ended up for the very first time hiring an administrative assistant to, to help me. And and by the way, this this woman had um, management experience. So she was used to having procedures written down in a very step by step process. And since a lot of my processes, since I was the only one who needed to know them, were kind of in my head. That lack of structure kind of frustrated her. So she was basically asking me a ton of questions to try to figure out exactly what I was doing and why I was doing it and that kind of thing. So um, it was weird because she and I spent a couple of months really just writing down the processes that I was using and then refining them little by little. And, and by doing that, we could now measure the effectiveness of each one of those steps. Um, and basically, we adjusted the process over and over again to increase both the efficiency and the effectiveness of, of the things that, that we were doing. And then within a few months, I was able to work with maybe three times as many clients as what I was working before I hired her. And eventually, I brought as I brought on new team members, um, since I had already created or she and I had already created this, this process, it was much easier now for me to train new team members to do the things that we were doing. So, so that's kind of step number one is, is you have to, the content has to be written down. It's got to be something that you can, that, that is, is tangible and that can be um, seen and experienced by other people. And, and that's really what makes the, the first step kind of critical anyway. All right. So the second thing that you need to do, which is also really important is once you have that content written down, you, you want to organize that content into simple step-by-step -step processes, or at least a simple step-by-step -step process. So once it's written down, you, know, you got to simplify everything. Um, and by the way, just as an FYI, when, when we show people how to do this in our presentation seminars, like when we're, when people go to a fearless presentations class and they're, and they're learning how to do this, a lot of times we're going to combine steps number one and two because if you do those things together, it makes the whole process easier. It's a whole lot easier to write stuff down if it's more simplistic and that kind of thing. So the biggest mistake that I think a lot of new trainers make is trying to teach too much in a single sitting. I mean, nobody's going to remember a 100-step process that they see one time, right? So, But anybody can master a five-step process. So, so once the, the trainee masters the five-step process, now we can add five more steps, right? So instead of trying to teach everybody a hundred, teach your, 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 um, your, the people that are in your train the trainer process or the people that are going through the process anyway, teach them everything at once. Instead, break it down into bite-sized pieces, teach them a little bit at a time. I mean, that's really what we do in our presentation classes, is what we do in our leadership classes. Basically, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're letting each of our class members master a single component. And then once they master that, then we can make things a little bit more complicated and, and add more to it. So um, like, for instance, um, I, I'm currently training a new presentation coach. Um, this happens quite often, by the way. This is kind of a standard thing that happens when 
folks come into my organization and I start training them to, to teach classes, especially if that person has been training for a while. This particular guy has been speaking for over a decade. So basically he went through my presentation class as, as, a, as, an, as an example so he could see what I, what I wanted somebody to do. And, uh, and, and once he kind of went through that one time, he was like, Oh yeah, that's easy. Yeah. I can put me in coach. I can, I can teach that right away. And then I let him see the instructor manual for the first time. And he was shocked at all of the different steps that we cover when we're, when we're training a new instructor uh, to what the things that a new instructor has to do in every single one of those sessions to ensure that our class members increase their confidence, because we make it look really easy because of the way that we kind of train. But in reality, our instructors are, are what, what they're doing in a classroom is very, very, very complex. So basically, I explained to him that he and I would kind of co-teach classes for the better part of a year. And in every class, he'd start doing more and more of the process. So every time we teach a class together, he's mastering a different component of that process. And then over time, he will have mastered every single one of the sessions that we're going to do. So, so basically, when you're designing your train-the-trainer model, your course, create a simple step-by-step process. And if the process is complex, just break it down into easy, learnable, bite-sized pieces. And the folks that are going through it will, will get a much better result. All right. So number three, this is the thing that it doesn't, I mean, this is a, the biggest, biggest, biggest mistake that I see so often on one of these, these processes when people kind of create one of these, especially if you're creating one of these things for the first time, is the third step is you have to test and then measure that during the trainer process. So, and, and this is really kind of the, the final step and, and most critical to for you getting the results that you're looking for. You have to create, um, once you create that train the trainer course, once you create the content and you've broken it down into a step-by-step process and now people are starting to use it, now, now you have to test it. So if the processes within your content are flawed, you know, basically, if the processes that you're trying to teach people are, are flawed, then your entire course is also going to be flawed. So the worst thing that you can do after you create a course is to roll it out without actually testing it first. I, I'll give you a really, really good example of how this can blow up in your face. In, in 1997, so a long time ago, try to pick something that was not, you know, in the last couple of years. But in 1997, the Franklin Planner Company merged with Stephen Covey's um, leadership development company. So Stephen Covey wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which had a lot to do with time management skills. And the Franklin Planner Company, they sold day planners. This was back before everybody had a had, you know, all the all the, the high-tech cell phones that kept their schedules and everything. This is back when we had like paper three-ring binder um, calendars to to keep track of our daily plans and all that kind of stuff, right? So basically, when these two companies merged together, it it sounded like a fantastic partnership, right? Um, and it didn't actually work as they expected, though, because the new company created a train the trainer model. This this new Franklin Covey uh, company created a train the trainer model where they would certify local trainers pretty much in every city. And, and they had great content. I mean, Stephen Covey's stuff was really still is today, by the way, 
but what they didn't do is they didn't test and measure the results of their train the trainer method. Uh, and I remember at the time, the lady who's my wife now, we were actually engaged at the time, but but she was um, working for a, a big hotel company who um, had who was involved in this training. They had they'd hired or actually their their HR person, their corporate HR person had actually gone through the weekend training program to become certified to teach one of these these classes. And she dreaded my wife dreaded going to every one of these things. And I remember her saying, I mean, this is but this is at the time that I'm actually starting to get into the the speaking industry in the training industry and she's and, she, and i remember her kind of turned and be going oh, i'm going to another one of those stupid gummy training things next week these things are a complete waste of my time and i always thought that was kind of funny since she was attending a time management class by the way but but um basically what the company had done is they made this huge mistake they began to certify anybody who paid a small fee and attended a short train the trainer class and they because they thought the content was good enough to surpass any of the, the negatives that would happen as a result of this. And, and basically the people that were leading the sessions, they weren't subject matter experts though. You know, they might've been experts at HR or they might've been experts at something, but they weren't experts at Stephen Covey's process and they weren't experts at any of that kind of stuff. So going in and just learning something in a couple of days and, and being qualified to, to teach it typically doesn't work really well. Um, so basically what happened was that that company, the Franklin Covey company, their stock tanked. And, and I think at one point the, the stock of that company went down to like under a dollar per share or something like that. It was it was uh, it was basically junk stock. And, and by the way, they eventually recovered. It took them a while, but it took them a while to kind of recover from that. But um, if, if you are creating your train the trainer process for the first time and um it's really critical that you do that that step of of testing it. Go do it once, test it, see how effective it is, and then based on the results that you're getting, make adjustments so that you can improve on that over and over and over again. I mean, basically, when we started teaching our public speaking class, you know, back in you know twenty plus years or so ago, the first time that that I did it, it was a good class. But it wasn't perfect yet. I mean, it, we and so basically over the the first two, three, four years or so, I may, I, con, I was constantly making adjustments. I was trying to make sure that when people went through this class, they got the best program ever. So if they, the things that worked, I kept. The things that didn't work, I got rid of. And then uh, and I and I refined that process pretty thoroughly before I started bringing on other instructors that I could train. So I wanted to make sure I had the the content down first before I started trying to teach this to other subject matter experts or create other subject matter experts out of this. Um, by the way, uh, there's one final thing. I, know I told you that step number three was kind of the third thing in the in the process. There's actually one more that's really big though. It's it's the fourth part is that. You have to understand that people learn by doing. So it's very important when you create one of these processes processes to add in activity and application to to this this model. Um, you know, adults, kids, whatever, but adults especially, the, the learning that we go through needs to be interactive. People get bored if they're just sitting there listening to a, a boring speaker, right? So one reason people love attending you know, the presentation classes that my, my team and I put together or our training programs that we develop on the leadership side is that they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. They're interesting. Every session is a combination of both content and application because people learn by doing. They learn by, by actually 
doing something, not just listening to a talking head drone on for hours. So um, I, I, and, and one of the first times that I ever learned this, and I actually was in the speaking business and I, and I kind of knew that it was important to have things be interactive and have a real life application to that thing that, that, that uh, the class members were learning. But I was actually um, a student. I was a, a class member in a marketing seminar here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we're based. And these two guys that created this marketing seminar were brilliant um, because they, they invited the participants to bring some of their marketing pieces to the seminar. It's a marketing class. They're going to teach us how to be better marketers. And they invited us to bring some of our, whatever it was that we've created or used in the past uh, to the seminar. And as the speakers covered their curriculum and suggested things that we should, we, we could do, they invited us to kind of recreate, recreate our own marketing pieces on the fly as, as we were kind of going through it based on what they were, were teaching us. And the, the program was very practical because we were actually redesigning items for our individual companies that we were currently using. Um, so um, it worked really, really well. Um, another good example was, um, I was I was asked to come in and do a training session for the American Red Cross. And, and I, basically I was teaching a, a, a presentation class for a group of trainers. These were kind of tra trainers who trained their technicians or had to do their, their um, best practices for, for, for their technicians and that kind of thing in the blood bank. And these, these folks were responsible for teaching what the text called their SOPs, their standard operating procedures. And, and they were getting, before I came in, they were getting really, really poor results from the sessions. And the reason why is because the technique that they were using was to do a half day of classroom training followed by a half day of, of lab time. And, um, and, and the more that I kind of got into what they're understanding exactly what they were going through, I made a suggestion. I said, hey, why don't we break that down into component pieces? Because if you're not getting the results that you're that you're wanting, let's try something a little different. And so instead of going through, you know, three and a half hours of boring classroom training and then three and a half hours of lab time, we had them break it down into like 20 to 30 minute segments. So basically they would do 20 or 30 minutes of going over the, the SOPs, the standard operating procedures, and then finishing that hour by going out and doing another 30 minutes in, in the lab so that they actually used the things that they were just taught. Uh, and they did that over and over again throughout the, the day and broke it up. And, and just they just got a much, much, much better, better um, result from doing it that way. So sometimes you got to get a little creative and understand the way that the human brain works in order to get the best out of your, your train the trainer process. All right. So if you once you've kind of created this process, though, um, that that last little story kind of leads me into the next step of the of the this of using this model, and that's the actual training process. So once you have the model created and you've tested it and you've made it interactive and made it fun, now how do we actually use that with people, especially if our subject matter experts are not great presenters. They may be good at doing what they're doing, but they may not be good at good teachers. You know, going back to the, uh, the, the chicken sandwich place in the mall, you know, that, that kid that was training me might've been good at squeezing lemons, might've been good at breading chicken, but may not be the best teacher. Right. And so that was, by the way, that's one of the reasons why that company used instances like that to kind of determine how, you know, basically at a very, very early age or early 
point in, in the career development of their employees. They're trying to see who has the potential to be a, a shift leader or a, an assistant manager or a manager. And so they're, they're looking to, to train from within. So they're using that train the trainer process in order to do that. So, the, so the, these next little simple things that I'm gonna give, cover are things that you can do. If you already have your train the trainer model kind of set up, these are ways you can kind of make it work a whole lot better. Okay, so number one is, Good presentation skills are essential to this model. So once you've got the great course design, now you want to spend some time actually training your trainers, you, you basically to show them how uh, to develop those public speaking skills. So remember that uh, that being a great public speaker, it's not a natural gift. It, it's it's a skill. It's it's a skill that takes time to develop. So when you're, when basically um, when we go in and help companies create or revitalize a train the trainer process, we almost always start here. You know, once we've kind of verified that the process that they're using is valid, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, we'll go in and start training their subjects, their subject matter experts, um, because if they're confident and they communicate well, then the programs are almost always going to be effective. At least they're going to be more effective. And if the, the subject matter experts are poor communicators, the process will fail 100% of the time. I mean, so it's, it's, it's pretty vital and pretty important. So um, if you're, if your subject matter experts are not experienced trainers, then you might consider adding how to do um, public speaking platform techniques or things like that to their personal development before you actually put them in front of a, a group. So make that, make that a part of the process. Um, the second thing that you want to do is you want to develop those subject matter experts. So when you institute a train the trainer model within your organization, I, I would suggest that you use that fast food model that I was talking about, um, where the subject matter experts in training, um, they're explaining part of the process to the newer team members. So basically, once they kind of learn something, basically have them teach it to somebody else. And over time, as your, your team members become more knowledgeable and skill, it's gonna increase their opportunity to teach more and more. So basically little by little, you're developing those subject matter experts and their presentation skills at the same time. By the way, this is the technique that I use for my instructors, you know, um, and you know, the first thing I'll have them do is start, start, start watching me or another instructor teach this, the session. And the next I'll give them a fun activity to lead pretty easy, you know, something really, really simple. And then little by little, I increase their face time in front of a group. So in most cases, after they've developed good presentation skills, that learning process happens really, really quickly. It happens, it happens fast, but it, typically it's the, the first couple of months though, typically are the, the things that take a little bit longer. Um, and then the last thing that is really, really critical in this process when, when you're bringing, when you're training these, these um, subject matter experts is that you wanna audit both the, the process, the train the trainer model process that we talked about before, but you also wanna audit the, the subject matter experts and the results that they're getting from that train the trainer model or from that process. Because a big mistake that I made early on when, when, um, when I started my company was that I didn't audit my, my trainer's classes. I, I assume that since they spent, a, I mean, they would spend a year with me doing this train the trainer process and, and I assumed it would be permanent. <laughs> But if you recall that telephone game that I was describing in the very first part of this session, um, what what happens? There was some. It's it's what I call the 
it's a divergence and I call it the anomaly slash snowball effect that occurs. The first time I saw this, it totally confused me, but then I saw it over and over and over and over again. And it caused me to have to make some serious changes to the way that I was auditing my, my instructors. Um, because basically what will happen is an instructor will teach something. They'll be doing a training session and an anomaly will occur. And most of the time, it's something really, really small. It's 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 out of the ordinary, and as and because it's out of the ordinary, it may not ever even happen again. However, that trainer will see that anomaly as a problem with the way that the training session has occurred, right? So as a result, he or she he or she typically will change something ever so slightly, and then that change now causes an unexpected challenge to occur. <laughs> And then another adjustment is made. And every time a change is made that is outside of the original procedure that we created in the train the trainer process, the divergence get, gets bigger and bigger. And over time, that subject matter expert, that trainer, um, isn't following the outline procedure that we talked about in the beginning at all. Uh, and and uh, it, the longer that you let it go on, the less, I mean, it, I remember the first time, the very first guy that I ever brought in to be a, a public speaking coach with me was phenomenal for about like two and a half years or so. And then all of a sudden I started getting complaints and I sent one of my other instructors in to just to kind of audit him just to kind of see since, since the new, since the instructor that I was sending was a newer guy. You know, he, he came in to that classroom under the pretense that he was saying, yeah, I just want to learn from you. D uh, Doug said you were a great instructor and everything. But in reality, I was confused because this guy was one of our best instructors for the first two or three years. And now all of a sudden he was getting complaints. And I remember like at the first break, my instructor in my instructor in training, the person that was going to audit the, the class called me up on his cell phone and said, uh, hey, Doug, I don't know. I don't know what class this guy's teaching, but it isn't anywhere close to what you've been showing me for the last few months. And basically what had happened was this anomaly divergence thing had occurred over and over and over again. He kept making adjustments and eventually wasn't even close to where we were before. So um, and once it gets to that point, I wasn't, by the way, I wasn't able to salvage that instructor. I mean, eventually, you know, I, I, I spent months trying to retrain him, to get him back to to teaching the class effectively, but he never really recovered because it was basically now me coming in and I had to kind of lay the iron hand a little bit to say, no, this is the way it's got to be done. And this is why, right? You're, you're getting complaints. You're not supposed to be getting complaints. And so as a result, I waited too long to audit that process. And as a result, it caused way more problems that were that were not um, fixable. So keep that in mind is that as you're kind of going through this train the pro trainer process, uh, make sure to not only audit the process and change the process if it needs it, but also audit your the people who are actually doing the training so that they're sticking to the guidelines. If they're doing something a little different, you're going to end up getting different results. And when you stick those into the mix, it's going to be confusing as to why those different results are occurring. So, hey, so by the way, if, um, if you are in the process of creating one of these train the trainer processes, or if you're wanting to kind of save money on outside training and, and train some of your own internal people, um, make, we have expert facilitators that can help you not only create, but implement one of these programs very quickly and easily. So just go to fearlesspresentations.com, or you can call us on our 800 number at 800-975-6151 if you have any questions. All right, we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Bye, y'all.
Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.